You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, brought to you by Starburst Magazine, and for the next 60 minutes we're going to be talking about Doctor Who, so that you don't have to. Now, when somebody you know dies, obviously you grieve. When somebody you don't know dies, but somebody you know of, it's a different process entirely, right? Mm. Yeah. Now, if it's somebody who has an ongoing career to which you're emotionally or intellectually attached, then you're going to miss the future projects that they would never have been able to do. For Mm -hmm. instance, Elizabeth Sladen, and even to a certain extent Nicholas Courtney, we still had every reason to expect future involvement in the wider Doctor Who universe from those two. Mm -hmm. But when Caroline John died, obviously, for most fans, her contribution to Doctor Who was just a little pocket of four stories back in 1970. Yeah. So what we miss about Caroline John is not so much what she was or what she might have been, but what she meant to us back then. And in essence... And this is the way I feel about it. I feel like a little bit of the past has gone. It's almost like a little bit of my memory has detached itself and disappeared. Mm. And that's Mm. kind of how I feel when somebody who has done something like that goes, dies. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the Blue Box podcast. We're not here to be somber and solemn. (laughs) We're here to, you know, have a bit of a chat, a bit of a chinwag and generally aim to get a few laughs so we are not going to do 60 minutes of somber solemn talking about caroline john we are going to celebrate caroline john's life by having a regular podcast but by dedicating it to her by just talking about the four stories she made in 1970 okay so i'm jr i'm lee i'm simon and i'm mark and just to change the subject absolutely entirely Now, something we've never done on the podcast is, like, segments. We've never tried anything like that. Mm. And I don't think people want us to, because (laughs) that would just be, you know, people have said it. That would be a bit artful, wouldn't it? Okay, yeah. But you know what? Sod it. Let's do it. You're going to do it, aren't you? (laughs) This is a Blue Box podcast. Let's do a segment. Let's start the show with a segment. See how it flies. If it doesn't work, we won't do it again, but let's at least give it a go. What we say on the radio is a feature. Oh, a feature. Yeah. Right. So yeah. You got... sound like the chocolate orange of yeah. I'm going to the podcast. Gonna... Segment. I'm a segment. Well, there you go. Yes. Once you put all these segments together, you'll get like a nice little chocolate orange, like yeah. sort of Doctor Who-y chocolate orange that you can take yeah. home and enjoy for Or Christmas. a completed pie that in sounds... Trivial Pursuit. That sounds rather sickly, doesn't it? If this segment flies, I think, as a Christmas treat for the listeners, you should edit them all together. <laughs> no, perhaps yeah, not. That'd, that'd be a treat, will it? That'll be that'd the be cheap like... episode, would it? That'll be the... Uh... That, Absolutely. The that'll, that'll be like the hazelnut that doesn't crack in the bottom of your stocking. No, it'll be a bonus podcast. It won't be a regular edition. It'll be like a Thursday afternoon bonus podcast or something. 
It's not going to happen. What are we even talking about the logistics for? <laughs> right, can I explain what this feature is all about then? Well, I don't know what to call it. Maybe on the spot, 60 second. On the spot, there you go. On I'll the do. spot. That sounds ominous. Right, <laughs> randomly, I'm going to choose one of you three guys, because I do most of the talking, so I think it should be one of you three guys. Randomly, I'm going to choose one of you three fellas and one story, and you've got 60 None seconds. None of us are making eye contact with JR. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 We're not looking at him. I'm looking at the curtains. Oh, I'm yawning. <laughs> oh, was that the time? Oh. It I makes assume. no odds because I don't have a randomizer. I had to do this Last at home. Plastering on your ceiling. I had to yeah, do maybe. this at home this afternoon. So the randomizer is, or I know who's been chosen, right? And I know which story they're going to be on the spot for for oh sixty seconds. And uh, well, is everybody ready? Go, go on them. Okay, just 60 seconds. Uh, have we got some kind of way of timing this? Yeah. Uh, we'll just do it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just do it. 60 seconds or 30 seconds or whatever. On the spot. And the person is... Are you ready for this, guys? Apple Mark. He looks defeated already. <laughs> and the person who's on the spot this week is Simon. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my blimey Christ, as they say. <laughs> And the story that you have 60 seconds <laughs> entirely on your own without any help from the rest of us, the story the randomizer randomly threw up for oh, you this no. week is... This is bullying. Are you ready for... <laughs> right, Simon, starting from now, 60 seconds, please, on Survival. Ooh. Survival. Oh, dear. do you know what? I, I don't think I've actually watched it all the way through. As most other stories, I've not watched it since it was actually first on. What I do remember is the cat people were particularly well realised, and that's where the good bits end. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the, the very final sequence was a particularly poignant ending to the whole thing, to the whole of the classic series of Doctor Who. But as far as the story's concerned, it just seemed to be a lot of people bouncing between two planets... People being chased by cat people on horses, uh, people wearing contact lenses, and that was about it. Uh, I remember thinking later on that was there a link up between the fact that the master had become quite animalistic, um, and when he reappeared in the mo in the TV movie, he was obviously turning into animals and stuff like that. And I think is there a link? Is there a link? Probably not, because I don't think it was ever that well th thought through. So. Uh, but other than that, I can't really think a lot about survival. Well, you've that's done 60, 60 seconds. seconds, yeah. So, well so done, Simon. Well done. Yeah, I've done better than I would, that's for sure. <clears throat> I, wish I, got, I wish I'd got survival. <laughs> oh, never mind. You never know what the randomizer might throw up. I could have talked up. for eight hours on that one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. What's the story you'd least like to talk about? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> 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 nice what about try. you, Mark? What's your... Uh, Canine and Company. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I don't think Canine and Company was even... The Feast of Stephen. That's I suppose what I could spend 60 seconds reenacting <laughs> yeah. the theme tune. So what did everybody think? Should we do that again? Or that, that was good fun. I quite enjoyed watching it was right, Simon's actually. Yeah, I don't know whether it was good rough. to listen to, but... I, I quite enjoyed it enough. Yeah. No, really. so, but the thing is, 60 seconds, even if it's boring, and I don't think it was, and I'm not saying for one second that it was, even if it is, it's only 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, mm. But it's interesting mm. because you interesting immediately, it's, you're, you're pulling the, the memories out mm. on the spot yeah. as they come out. This, so is, not... this is a good Doctor Who party game. 
you know, in the pub, pub game. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it'd be just a nice... The more, the more drunk you get, how interesting that would be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know this is perhaps not the episode involved. that you should be trying things like that. Mm. Oh, why not? But, you know, I just you know, I just thought of this, and I obviously stole it from the memory cheats, in case anybody's wondering. But I just thought it'd be a nice, fun way to start the episode. And it would get us loosened up, you know, before we start talking about whatever else we're going to talk mm. about. Do we want to give a shout out for the memory cheats then in that respect? Well, I like the memory cheats. I've only just started listening to podcasts in the last fortnight and so far that's my favourite. Oh, okay. It's really good. I do like it a lot. Two guys on it, Josh and Steve and uh, yeah. very they're both okay, very Mark, fair enough. We said it's good. They've <laughs> had their shout out. No need to go any further. Less. He's getting jealous. <laughs> we got I'd, emails. Yes, I was just going to say we've got emails and we've got no light on in this room, so I'm struggling a bit here. Don't worry about it, Mark. I'll, <laughs> I'll cope. You saw the sheets of paper. You knew I was going to be reading stuff out. You drew the curtains and left the lights off. You've been printing on your dot matrix again, Mark. <laughs> Actually, we'll start with a conversation that Mark had on Twitter with Mark Simmons. Mm. Mark Simmons says, love the show, Lee. Why does he love the show, Lee, when he's talking to you, Mark? Maybe it says, I, I love Lee. referring to Lee. Yeah, I love okay. the show, Lee. Well, oh. the accent is more <laughs> West Wales than a Cardiff one, irrespective of the dodgy accent. I love it. <laughs> and Mark replies... This week's episode includes an expletive from one of us, but which one of us? Oh, That's gone out by now, so you'll know. Yes. Mark replies, it certainly wouldn't be the host of the show, J.R. Southall. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, And then he guesses, the co-host, Lee? If me and Lee are host and co-host, the what usual does that make suspect, you isn't it? What does that make you uh, Well, Simon's the technical expert. And I'm he just... is. Simon's the engineer. Yeah. Who I'm the producer, am I? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. And like we're that. in Mark's living room, which explains why you're here. <laughs> oh, Thanks. <laughs> it's nice to feel wanted. No, we're not. We're in an actual proper studio. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm feeling quite right. chuffed because I'm co-host now. Anyway, Mark guesses, is it the co-host, Lee? <laughs> oh, so, and uh, Mark says, oh, this is Mark and Mark. No wonder I'm getting confused reading this out. <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> Mark says, you'll have to listen and find out. And then Mark Simmons says, haven't missed one yet. I've dipped a toe in most podcasts, but I find the blue box more appealing opposed to the childish ones. Oh, He's thank you very much. He's obviously not talking about the memory cheats there, is he? Obviously. Mm. Okay. There are lots out there, though. I am actually struggling with this because I've printed this out really small on this sheet of paper. <laughs> Fortunately, the other... No, no, no. The other sheet of paper is printed out much bigger. So, Mark... <laughs> our Mark says... Well, we're very pleased that you enjoy it. We like to have a laugh, but we are conscious of trying not to get too silly. And Mark Simmons finally says, exactly, you lot are like the Jamie Oliver of podcasting the right mix. I thought he meant uh, Lee spits when he speaks. This is the Blue Pucker Box podcast. Try Does that. Jamie Oliver spit when he speaks? Yes, quite frequently. Uh, he spits speak. when he speaks? Yeah. I'm not eating anything. He's got an oversized made. tongue, hasn't he? That's what it... An oversized tongue. Wow. <laughs> He's not jab of the hut. <laughs> Too many chilies when he was a child. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe. <laughs> we had an email from Jeff Waddle or Waddell. I think it's Waddle. Hi all. I don't usually do this, but I am making a determined effort to reply, comment to all podcasts I am subscribed to, just so that the people know their hard work is appreciated. 
And I have to say, I appreciate that. Mm. Yeah. Because no, when you're doing these things, you just don't know what people are making of it. No. And although, you know, we've had a number of people <clears throat> write to us and tell us that they enjoy what we do. Mm. No one's offered money yet. No, but you know, <laughs> if you get, say, 25 people tell you they like what you do, mm. you don't know if that's the only 25 people listening. Yeah, yeah. Plus, you don't know if there's maybe 50 people listening and the other 25 really hate what you do <laughs> and that's why they've not written in. Yeah. yeah. So we really appreciate when people write in. Yeah, I, like I like to think the fact we haven't heard any negative is a good thing because, I mean, you know what? no one's more forthright about the negativity I, than Doctor Who fans are. But I'd like to make a shout mm. out now. If anybody's listening and they don't like what we do, yeah, please write and tell us. We yeah. have had, um, you know, structured critique from certain people yeah and we've addressed that as well actually so, and i think that's great if I you hope. think if so you like this us, is my last show and uh, <laughs> yeah it's been nice knowing you simon <laughs> off you go simon's far too important you've had your fun no no <laughs> yeah if i actually know strike that we're all too important yeah i thought i was I third we... on the list actually get rid of those two first and then i'm okay because i'm the co-host no, but you're the one who spent most episodes not being here, so you're actually the first <laughs> one to go. <laughs> no, he's always been here. He's been in the box. With yeah, yeah true. he's not been behind a microphone. That's the important thing. Mm-hmm. We were going to ask you a few questions about Stephen Moffat since you've spent so much time in the box with him. Yeah, go on. What do you want what to know? What does he smell like? Oh, he smells like pears, pear drops, hmm. and pears. Really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and the the Scottish and cho- chocolate milkshake. The Scottish accent is that real, or does he just put it on for the cameras? He puts it on his Spanish. I did think that. You can tell by the hair. Anyway, Jeff carries on and says... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's the first thing that came into my head. we just go back to the very start when gonna... Mark Simmons said that Demon. he liked us because we weren't childish. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we're not, are we? Oops. I think we just form adults. We're not childish. We're just misguided. <laughs> really oh, can we just can, yeah. can I just say thanks for the good feedback from yeah, Simmons as well? Yeah, thank you so well. much. We didn't say that. Yeah. So. Oh, well, thank I g- kind of yeah. got into the habit of thanking everybody all together at the at end the by end, yeah, speed reading yeah. down a piece of paper. Speed mm. reading, is that what it's called? <laughs> well, you know, my eye speeds from one place to another. Go. I try and remember. <laughs> Jeff carries on to say, there's a lot of Who podcasts out there, but although yours is a relatively new one, in no way is it lesser than the others. Cracking stuff, totally enjoyable, and a must for me, as I am sure it is for others. Keep up the good work. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Declan May, have we had him before? Yes, we have. Yeah, yeah I think so. Before, yeah. I wasn't sure. I know, I know I've emailed back and forth mm. with him a bit, actually, as well. Great episode. Did I detect a bit of simmering tension between JR and Lee over certain issues? <laughs> no. <laughs> actually, that's not fair because he didn't detect any simmering tension. It was just tension. tension. <laughs> <laughs> if there's going to be a spat. As for the people made out of tea bags idea, I foresee a follow up to Pieces of Eight, perhaps. Mm-hmm. What's Pieces of Eight, JR? Actually, well, people. Okay, audio play that I wrote. Yeah. But people listening to this do they know yet that i am actually now working on a follow-up and in fact two more after that not sure but they do now don't think so yeah no. No. okay yeah. there's going to be the first of four stories connected now real yeah we're all going to write one now yeah i'm not how hard can it be i'm going to come up with ideas and throw <laughs> them at you and you can use them see if they stick hang on that's my line i know you were born a day after me or before me but we can't be that similar what Imagine me and you in a room trying to create something. Just be throwing ideas back at each other. Nothing would happen. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So don't yeah. look at me. Throw them at Jr. Anyway, we have got this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even listening. I was reading down. Well, I've printed off a couple of things that people put up on Gallifrey Base. Okay, right, that's be interesting. They're both people who one's Declan May again, actually. Okay. Yeah. 
and they were it's a public forum so i don't see why any particular reason we couldn't repeat it back so i just thought i might as well print it off and well declan says on gallifrey base under his alter ego of the corsair it's a great podcast cool name cool name the Corsair or Declan May? The Both. Corsair. Well, and Declan May, but mm, no, exactly. Corsair is a very cool name. Oh, speaking of names, we owe somebody an apology, don't we? We do. Oh, yeah. Last, Suki. Yeah, last time, or the time before, I think it was the time before, we read an out, we read out an email from Cyberman underscore 151, <laughs> and this person's real name was Suki Kark. Mm-hmm. And we discussed it, and Simon decided that this person was a girl, even though the no, rest I didn't. Of... Did I? Well, it's just the actually way that you I said... just said you because I was looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of this going on tonight. Yeah, there? that's bullying. That is. <laughs> but then okay, afterwards... I apologise. I've never my ignorance. I only know it as a girl's name. Yeah, well, I, I, I called my dog Sasha. I called yeah. my dog Sasha. He was a boy, and I got grief from everyone. For ages afterwards, saying yeah. it's definitely a girl's name. I'm saying no, it's Russian for Alexander. It's a boy's yeah. name. It, it is a boy's name, yeah. yeah. Sasha Distel. Yeah, yeah that's Sa- quite different. Sasha, Sasha Cohen. Sasha, as okay, in the DJ. But anyway. anyway, I digress. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, anyway, Declan <laughs> on Gallifrey Base. It's basically he's on a thread about podcasts, and he's just saying what he thinks of our podcast for the other readers of Gallifrey Base to recommend. Mm-hmm. And he carries on and says, fast becoming one of the better and least annoying podcasts around, all done in a professional manner. I'm sorry. <laughs> all done in a professional manner. Also, no real irritating, cynical, negative contributors Oops. who take it too seriously. And then he gives an example or two that I'm not going to repeat. Okay. I'll try not to get so heated next time <laughs> and take it so seriously. Okay, mm-hmm. there's about 12 or 13 episodes <laughs> now. Sorry, Lee, did I just ignore you then? No, no, you carry on. That's, okay. that's, how, that's how radio works. All about now along, and for casual and long-term fans alike, I discovered it about a month ago, and I've become a big fan. Definitely up there with the DWP, which is wow. Mark. Doctor Who podcast. Wow. And the Oodcast. <sighs> wow. Mm, that's, that's a big nice. compliment. It is a massive compliment. Thank you. It really is appreciated, because the amount of work... That goes in. Yeah. Of us sitting around. That I put in. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I we all, in our own way, put in a, quite a bit of effort, actually. Yeah, so and it, nice and we do love doing it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. This is the it highlight is our... of our week. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and that sounds really sad, but it's actually true it for is every single true. one of us. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It really is. So, uh, yeah, we, we do appreciate those comments. And I'm not watching the clock or anything, but we've not said a single word about Doctor Who yet. No. But who cares? Well, it's all about Doctor Who in the end. It is. Essentially. <laughs> right, on the same thread, somebody called Mr. Peter, whose real name I do not know. Uh, he says, really recommend giving the Blue Box podcast a listen. Blue Box podcast a listen. Just heard the DVD episode. Excellent. Another great podcast on the subscribe list. And the most recent Blue Box podcast on the Sylvester McCoy era is compelling stuff and extremely funny at times. Why didn't somebody tell me about this podcast before? I'm making my way through the old episodes. It's easily the best one around. Oh. Although he does qualify that by <laughs> saying, if you don't count, Scaro and the DWP. Yeah. Oh, that's well, okay, yeah. that's okay. I'm getting a bit fed up with being compared. <laughs> you like it when it's favourable, but not so much when they say yeah. we're not good. 
But here's the thing. Bless you him. know, we did the episode about cliffhangers. Yeah. And he also sent me a couple of private messages about that, about something specific that we talked about in that episode. Mm. And I asked him if it was all right to... Well, anyway, if it was all right to talk about these points on the podcast. So that's what I'm going to do now. He messaged me to say, unless my memory cheats, do you remember I said about the fact that the Radio Times on the week of Earthshock episode one oh, yeah. yes. seemed to be delayed yeah. so that the Cybermen the, mm. in the mm. cliffhanger wasn't given away? Mm. He says, unless my memory cheats, the Radio Times even had a black and white artist drawing. I don't know. I'm reading his second email. I should go back and read his first one first. (laughs) He says, regarding the Earthshock cliffhanger, sadly the memory does cheat, JR. The Radio Times was not held back and my 13-year-old self read about the Cybermen in the following week's listings before episode one had even broadcast. Never understood why fans weren't spoiled by this historically or why JNT turned down the Radio Times cover and then allowed this odd things going on. Mm. But then I emailed him back and said, I wondered if perhaps it was one of those things. Because, you know, it's too much of a coincidence. Because if he says that that episode of the issue of the Radio Times was out and he Mm. bought it before that episode broadcast. And yet at that time, I was going out and buying the Radio Times on the day of publication every week when Doctor Who was on. So I could see what was happening next week. And that issue definitely didn't turn up in the town where I was living, until a day late. So I just wondered if it was perhaps one of those instances where, because of logistics, the news agents have to have it on the day they're supposed to have it, and they're sent an instruction not to put it on the shelves until the following day. And perhaps where he lives, the news agent put it out. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, it seems like such a crazy thing to do for a show like Doctor Who to hold back an issue of the Radio Times for a whole day, yeah. just not to spoil a cliffhanger. Yeah. But I can't really see any other explanation. Otherwise, mm. the fact that the just, Radio just, Times had spoiled it... Let's just mm. get this right. Okay. Um, you're a postman, yeah. right? You're very much into Doctor Who. Yeah. What's to say the rest of the British Postal Service aren't exactly the same as you and just didn't want to spoil it for everybody by holding it back? Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be the Postal Service, but I get your point. No, I understand completely. <laughs> Don't spoil the illusion. <laughs> but what I'm saying All the is, news agents, then. But what I'm saying is, if that issue had come out everywhere mm. on the day before the episode with the cliffhanger broadcast, everybody would have known the Cybermen were in it. They would have seen that. It wouldn't just be um, Mr. Peter mm. and maybe mm. the odd person or two elsewhere. Mm. Everybody would have known, wouldn't they? So I didn't I can, so I, I just think no, they, I must I, have, no. they must have held that issue of the Radio <clears throat> Times back and perhaps a few copies got out. A few news agents had put it out or something. Maybe somebody does actually know the proper history behind that and could let us know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, if you're listening and you can remember either having bought that episode, that issue of the Radio Times before Earthshock episode one and knowing the Cybermen were going to be in it, yeah. or if you can remember not being able to get hold of that Radio Times until a day late... And not having your cliffhanger spoiled, email us, let us know, let us try and get to the bottom of this. Because mm. I think this is absolutely it's fascinating. It's also reminded me about the little black and white illustrations you used to get as well. I'll yeah, look, that's, what, that's what he goes on about. Unless my memory cheats, the Radio Times even had a black and white artist drawing of a Cyberman. <laughs> the new Cyberman design helping the on the broadcast days page. Of course, that was an early days DVD, wasn't it? Because they put the Radio Times clippings on some of the yeah. later ones, didn't they? But the Earthshot was probably too early them to do that so 
He does say it has baffled him for years why fans were shocked by the revelation at the end of episode one, you know, when he knew already because he'd read the Radio Times. So I'm positive that it must have been held back and just a few copies got out or something like that. I know I didn't see it. But like I say, email in and if you can remember anything about either side of this story, let us know what you remember and let's try Mm. and figure out what happened. Right. Uh, see, is there anything else? No, there's nothing else. Let's so, crack on. Let's crack on. Yes, let's talk about. Well, let's talk about 1970, mm-hmm. season seven, <clears throat> the year before I was born. Yeah. So you did this thing where you asked each of us to list our favourite stories in that series. Well, list them in order of preference. Yes, mm. yes. And then you totted up the scores. Because what I wanted to do, I wasn't actually going to tell people this. I was just going to say we were talking about them in a random order. But what I wanted to do... <laughs> no, I think, well, no, no, no. Well, I don't know. I think we can tell them. Because what we are going to do is eventually with this podcast, because we're sort of doing general subjects now, and eventually we're going to have to get more specific. So I thought, you know, for these first few months, first year or whatever, we'll do eras and themes and things like that. And then we'll gradually start introducing slightly more specific episodes where we talk about a particular season. And I wasn't going to do that until much later, but here we are. This is the first one that's going to be on a specific season. And when we do that, you know, some of these seasons are going to be a mixed bag. There are going to be some rubbish stories and some great stories. And, you know, there's probably, even in the popular seasons, going to be stories that we even don't like. So I thought if we start by talking about the most rubbish story... We're going to have a little bit of fun at the start of the episode. And then if through the podcast we talk about the ones we prefer and we prefer, gradually we'll end up on a really positive note. Mm. So my plan was to privately ask you all to list your stories in order of preference so I could work out which was the one we as a collective liked the least and which one we liked the most. And we would do that. That order. Well, I, as in, in a way to build to a crescendo of... Exactly. Positive. But not tell the listeners, just tell them it's <laughs> random. <laughs> we'll do that next time. <laughs> right, so we'll Why start, not tell the listeners? We'll start on a downer. Oh, no, no. I, <laughs> I had no intention of not telling yeah. anybody. I've just done that little rant just to try and embarrass you, Simon. Okay. Oh, there, pick on Simon good, day today. Absolutely. It'll never work. Simon it's okay. Strong. Lee's going to get it in the next episode. So it's <laughs> what goes yeah. around comes around. Yeah, well, if you ever want to wind you up, we only have to say Eric Sayward. No, don't start that again. (laughs) (laughs) At least you're smiling. (laughs) Oh, no, it's not a smile, it's a grimace. (laughs) It's a kind of a smile. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, starting Um, from our least favourite. I still can't believe you're saying this about this. No, I don't think it is our least favourite. Well, yes, it's our least favourite technically. I think they're four pretty strong stories. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to say... Going in, before we start talking about... Because I thought what we do is have a quick word about the season as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Then talk about the four stories. And at the end, maybe something about Caroline John. Mm. Mm. That's the way we'll do it this week, perhaps. So this is... How I do you feel about nice, this whole season? Well, this is, Can on, I just say on, about the process? Yeah. I think it's good to be uh, clear about the process because I think, in a way, if we have got opposing views, it does average out the opinion about the stories. So... I don't. I think you're going to avoid this thing where, oh my god, I cannot believe they've picked that one last because it should be fairly well averaged out between us. I think it probably will be. Anyway. Well, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it'll probably be a while before we do another episode like this. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe we should do one in a couple of weeks just to sort of 
I don't know. We'll see. This, how is, this goes. is an in, this is an interesting season, though. It's a it's a bizarre oddball season. It's like it's fallen yeah. out of the sky. Just before and we started recording, what was the expression you used? It's been. Oh, sorry. You just said I, it as I, I was asking you. I think I just said it. Didn't yeah. I? yeah. <laughs> you said it's like it's been dropped in from nowhere. It, it has. It does feel like that. I mean, it's you know, bits of it are on extended film, which is always great. There's a lot of unit. You know, there's a lot of firsts in this one. It's a, a new Doctor. It's colour. You got a brand new companion. You have got this military presence. I have to say, I wasn't entirely sure about the idea of having stories where they start off in colour, then go black and white, then go colour, then go black and white. <laughs> I yeah, think they pulled a... it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> the funny thing is, it's not like the season before, it's not like the season after, but there are aspects. But it, the, the weird thing is, because there are those three seven-part stories, it's not like any other season of Doctor Who where you've got even with the in the Barry Letts years, with quite a few six parties, you still got kind of short, sharp shocks of stories, mm. and you know this feels like a season apart from Spearhead from Space that is made up of an entire series yeah. followed by mm. an entire series mm, yeah. followed by an entire series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's got such a very strange. I wanted to say this right from the off: the four stories, I. Love all four of them. Yes. Yeah. But the season as a whole, I think is awful. As a as a season. That yeah, structure, that shape. Yeah. And it's yeah, no I surprise. That I mean Barry you've got, you've got twenty five episodes. You know, like yeah. say three, seven and one four. If you'd made it 20, 24 episodes, you could have had lots of four parters. And we'll get to Spearhead. Um but uh, you know, Spearhead's a short and snappy one, which you could show a newbie. And the fact, astonishing and really thing good. is mm. Spearhead's right at the start, so then you've got to sit through the three seven parters on the trot afterwards. And they're not only three seven parters, but they're all pretty similar in feel and in location mm. Mm. and yeah. you know in tone it's yeah. do you do you, uh, jr do you remember this season when you were younger or not no, no. okay It'd be interesting to hear two. from the listeners if yeah. there's anybody who lived through that season and watched it you know whether they agree with you on yeah, that yeah not what do you think of it now because no, I mean, no, no, everybody no, no, no. agrees mm. now that it's four great stories no, as you were watching it but at the time as, as you was unfolding it, it yeah what did for, you think you, of know, it? you get to the 20th episode and you're kind of you know, of that season you're thinking right okay maybe i've had enough this is a little bit too similar to quater mass or whatever you know and it got to the point where barry Letts was throwing monsters at it just to try and <laughs> stop it. if they could stick yeah i mean inferno <laughs> we will talk about inferno in a minute but you know barry Letts threw quite a lot at that story mm. which mm. makes it what it is now yeah. yeah but changed it completely from what it originally originally was going to be yes just because barry Letts, the producer mm. although he was saddled with these stories when he took the season on he was bored of it himself Right. Now, t- tell us about that, about the fact that he was saddled with the stories, because it was, de- wasn't it Derek Sherwin and, yeah. who was the other chap? I can't Peter remember Bryant. Was Peter Bryant, that's right. And they Peter were... Bryant left before the war games, and Derek Sherwin yes. kind of took it on for the last Trout and, and the first Pertwee, that's and right. then handed over to But they Barry saw Lips. a strength in the, the unit idea. They saw a way of making cheap episodes. Well, Derek cheap Sherwin episodes. wrote the invasion. Yeah, so cheap episodes uh, set on Earth. That, that was all their idea. Casting of John Pertwee. I think Caroline John as well. That was all their casting. Oh yeah, when Barry um, and Letts... also the the scripts that came through were pretty much almost completely all there. Totally, yeah. Okay. When Barry Letts took over, season add... seven was locked in, and all yes. he did was make some changes to Inferno, yeah, did, yeah. which was the one that was the furthest away mm. that he could. You know, he had the most opportunity to change. But season seven was locked in. This is why I always say Doctor Who starts with season eight. 
because I think Barry Letts is the man who made Doctor Who what it is now. That formula, yeah. Yeah, and mm. that formula starts with Terror of the Autons. Which is... But we're not talking about Why this is such a really interestingly oddball season. Yeah. Because it's between the two directors, script writers. It's that period where it had to prove itself to survive. Well, and Doctor Who And actually was, it did survive through yeah. having this... But Doctor Who was almost cancelled twice on two occasions yeah. in 1968 and 1969 and it really was on trial as much in 1970 as it was in 1986 mm. but they didn't make such a hash of it in 1970 see i like i like to make an, an analogy of it uh much the same as i do when i'm listening to music where you get band you know when you get an artist who's made a lot of albums but every now and again they'll make a little folly they'll make a little <laughs> odd yeah, album yeah. with loads of ideas yeah. that don't necessarily work. Neil Young, but there is Transformer Man. Oh God! Yeah, well, this is this is essentially <laughs> Robbie Williams' Rude Box season. No, no. no. <laughs> season I can't seven. Believe you just mentioned him in the same breath as Neil Young. <laughs> hey. But season seven is essentially the equivalent of a pop band uh, radio, radio making head, a prog rock what, Amnesiac album. or something like that. I don't know. Kid A, Kid, Kid A, is it no, Pablo Honey? Anyway, moving on. What, the first <laughs> album? Yeah. Come on. That's an argument for another day. So. It is. Yeah. <laughs> another which show. is better? Pablo Honey is awful. Yeah, it's just a Nirvana ripoff. Anyway, yeah. it is. Uh, 1970. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> but, the equivalent but, of a pop band making a prog rock album. Yes. Yes. There's a yeah, good analogy. Yeah, Strangler's Men in Black. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get it. Right. These two but, run a radio but show there and moments, shows. But there are moments of brilliance in there. And they learn from it, and they take the best bits, and they mm. and they move on from that, and they're yeah. not the same band afterwards. And that's, I'm guessing. Mark, yeah, you're, you seem to, have, but your opinion on season seven as a whole, as an entity, I have to say, I really enjoyed the whole season. I'm probably in the minority there. Have you watched it back to back? Not back to back, but I've the only one I hadn't seen prior to us doing this. Was... Oh, see, no, that's what I'm saying. We all like all four stories. Mm-hmm. But we're saying, as a, as a season, whole, as yeah. an entity, it had a really bad shape, I, and it was—it just wouldn't have worked if they'd have carried on. I think, yeah, go on, Mark. Yeah, I don't—I don't think it's got the sort of plot arcs that you get later. Um, mm. It's not quite so structured as the the later series. But I, I still, as you say, I like the stories individually. And the Doctor's not the Doctor, not really. What do you mean? Well, yeah, obviously, obviously he regenerated at the start. That, yeah. that's, that's neither here nor there. But he's not particularly Time Lordish through it. That's John Pertwee, mm. though. Isn't I it? think also, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. And uh, yes, probably because it's John Pertwee. And because for that first year, he's obviously finding his feet. And yeah. the thing to remember with John Pertwee is he was known for his comedy. He was mm. cast for his comedy. And he wanted to be taken it, seriously. It was after he was cast that he decided to play it seriously. Mm. So for those... Well, again, you're saying about Spearhead setting apart. In Spearhead, there are lots of Doctorish moments. Yeah, but from that, from but after that, he just gets really serious. Absolutely, and it's not until Katie Manning that he loosens up. Yeah, which is, mm. you know, we'll talk about Liz Shaw specifically later. But you know, in Katie many Manning. respects, and you know, this is probably not the right thing to say in an episode <laughs> where we're sort of dedicated it to Caroline John. But in many respects, it's probably a good thing that she went. Mm. Yeah. Because that allowed the Pertwee Manning yeah. thing. Yeah, I adore Liz Shaw. I think I yeah. love I love Liz Shaw, and I love those four. But you you know you're absolutely She's right. There's, there's no she? way that that character yeah. could have lasted beyond that season. Uh, it just I think it got 
you, you got as much as you possibly could out, out of that character yeah, completely yeah. and utterly. You know, we'll get on to Inferno later as well, where she played somebody else, and that was great for an actress to play uh, a different shade of that character. But she had explored everything that she could possibly explore, I think. You couldn't have gone any further with that person. You I, needed to go back and have a clumsy teenager. I do think it was good to see um, an intelligent uh, female character yeah. rather than just someone who screams But here's the thing. She came straight after Zoe. Yeah. There wasn't... See, people always say this. Oh, Liz Shaw, finally a companion who's intelligent, who's an equal of the Doctor in many respects. But she was also in her own environment, wasn't she? Mm. She was in a a controlled environment where she actually was... (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's where the dynamic changes. Zoe is, in many respects, also an equal of the Doctor in the same way as Liz Shaw was. Mm. But Zoe's paired with... Jamie yeah. and the Doctor. So Jamie can be the daffy one. Yeah, but you have got also, Brigadier. Yeah, so well, you know, you're jumping my point. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry for so intelligent. Go on, smart. <laughs> Jump his point. Oh, sorry. I just need to take a quick break, guys. Zoe <laughs> <laughs> right. so is paired with the Doctor... And Jamie. And it's the second Doctor as well. So yeah. not only is mm-hmm. Jamie the daffy one, but the second Doctor is to a certain extent. And they're out there exploring. So as you say, Simon, Zoe gets to be in different environments. Not only is Liz Shaw, in a certain, to a certain extent, trapped in that one environment, which, as it turns out, is a series of warehouses and scientific bases, <laughs> but also she's trapped in an environment where the other main character is the Brigadier, mm. And you've instead of a different ha- dynamic, yeah. Instead of having the Doctor and two companions, and there's a hierarchy of the companions as well. Zoe's the intelligent one, Jamie's the one with the experience. There's a hierarchy there. Instead, you've got the Doctor, the Brigadier, and Liz Shaw, and they are all equals to one another Absolute, for that yeah, one series no of the program. One central character, not yeah. really. Yeah. It is almost like the, the Doctor's doctor, a clever one. It's, it's almost like the Doctor doesn't have any companions. Yeah, yeah Liz and yeah. Liz Shaw and the Brigadier are all part of one conglomerate type of they're all thing. you yeah. know they all have their roles but mm. there's not one of them who is um subservient to either of the others they're all equally dominant no i think that's another thing liz appears to my way of thinking to be more a contemporary of the doctor as you look at jamie and zoe and they look more like sort of junior members of the tardis yeah team. yeah yeah exactly uh it's interesting though isn't it that the the, the TARDIS has been taken out... Uh, sorry, the console's been taken out of the TARDIS throughout that season. Firstly, how the hell did he get it through the door? But anyway. <laughs> it's dimensionally <laughs> transcendental. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a flat pack Ikea thing. Uh, anyway, but... Uh, how did he get it in there in the first place? <laughs> it was already in there. It was grown in there. Retcon. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I've learned the word properly now. The uh, interesting thing is that Caroline, Caroline Johns, or Liz Shaw, doesn't actually crawl on top of the TARDIS when it's spinning in all those episodes mm. and show off a big bum like Zoe does. So, Mark, you like this show. She's obviously <laughs> going to go. <laughs> Is it that uh, short skirt in Ambassadors? Yeah, well, it doesn't hurt, does it? No, she's... <laughs> I, I jump in your point. Oh, my God. Now, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was my fault. Come on, then. Get back to the intellectual stuff. <sighs> Intellectuals, stuff. Shall we talk about the four stories? Yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do That's that. Right, we voted. You know, we put the stories in order of preference, and the one that came out as our least favourite is not going to be in any way a surprise. 
But at the same time, it's not in any way a condemnation of the story. It was, of course, The Ambassadors of Death. Yeah. That is, of those four stories, without a shadow of a doubt, the weakest one. I didn't vote for it in my last place, though. Nor did You're I. The only... Nor did I. Mm. Nor did I. Oh, well, actually, Nye. no, I did. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah I did. It, was, it got two threes and a four. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Anyway, that's detail. Well, here's yeah. a funny... <clears throat> not a funny... Here's a piece of trivia about The Ambassadors of Death which perhaps explains why it is the weakest link of that series. And it's Ken because it. it's a child of many fathers. Right. I thought it was going to be the, the footsteps when they're passing through time around the TARDIS console. Well, no, it was... <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> well, it was bit, when... I mean, it, sorry, go on. It is. It is it's, it's, do you mean it's like lots of other stories that we've already seen before on TV and film? No, I'm saying the original script was by David Whittaker, oh. and then it was rewritten by Malcolm Hulk, and then it was rewritten by Terence Dix, and oh, then okay. it was rewritten by, I can't remember the name of the fourth guy, Trevor Sexton or something like that. A guy who, no, if you know your Doctor Who, you'll know who I'm talking about. Quite a famous TV writer who was on a year-long secondment to Doctor Who as an assistant script editor and didn't become the Trevor Ray. Right. Mm. David, did you the, say David Whittaker started this? David one? Whittaker wrote when the When did he draft. start the first draft? Way back in the 1960s. Ambassadors right. of Death was around for about three years or something. I never knew that. Mm. And never, it was rewritten. I think Malcolm Hulk's name is on the screen because right. he wrote their last draft that was attributable. <clears throat> but Trevor Ray and Terence Sticks both, both also had a go at it. From the off- offset, was it designed to be like an homage or a rip-off to Quater Mask, because basically it is. Well, I'd, I couldn't say, but what I can say is it was designed to be, you know, the seeds of death before seeds of death. You know, yeah. if you see what I mean. British space programme type of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I listen, really enjoyed it. I d- yeah. Oh, thoroughly. Mm. If if we're going to, if if it is the fourth place, if we're going to talk a weakness, the only thing I did think was weak about it was <clears throat> it felt very stretched out. I, I sent you a message, didn't yeah. I, when I was halfway through watching because I read. Yeah, I'd never seen it. Ah, funny surprise. Um, <laughs> and I sent you a message that says, "I think you're losing, till... losing the world to live." But I did like it. Mm. I love the idea. There's, there's it's a ambition. Lot of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of padding, though. Like yeah, you said, heck of a lot. There's a lot of running around, and you know, there is a nice moment on the the bridge with with uh, Liz Shaw. Yeah. Nearly falling in. Yeah. Um, and I think there was there were stories that she hawked around all the conventions about that. But um, yeah. What, what no, about, th- did she? Was it something to do with her being pregnant at the time? Yeah. And should she do this and should she risk it and all that kind of business? Because she hadn't told anyone, had she? No. And it was it was her. She did it. No, she didn't do it. Actually, that was a stunt person. Oh God, I don't remember now. Sorry. Mm. But it was you know things like that. I just Wasn't think that's so nineteen seventies telly that dressed up as her. It might have been. Yes, I think, I it, think was it was actually. Because that's right. You, you try and spot her walking away or something. Yeah. And it's like, hang on, is that a man? You really can't tell because he's doing it so well. He's doing the wiggle quite well, but she could tell. Terry Walsh? Yeah, it might have been, yeah. I think she said is. he hasn't got the hips. Go, <laughs> go, back to your, go back to your point, Simon, about it being stretched out. Yeah. I don't think the problem is that it's stretched out because, as we'll discover when we come to Inferno, that was also stretched out but where's it much more likely? But the trouble with Ambassadors is it's stretched out by repetition of the same thing. Yes. Mm. It's not so much that it's seven episodes long, but that 
five of those seven episodes are the same episode. Yeah, almost. exactly. You know, episode four or five, it could have gone somewhere else completely for a couple of episodes, then come back to it, the end. It, it, like the like it, was, it was trying yeah. to twist and turn at times, and little things came out. Um, it was, yeah. yeah, there was. Th- this is probably what Malcolm Hulk brought to it, but it's a bit like Invasion of the Dinosaurs in the reveals of the villains and things like that. Mm. But by the same token, in Invasion of the Dinosaurs, you get like that three times. I think in Ambassadors, you just get that the once, don't you? I think so, yeah. These two guys have watched it this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched it oh, 10, 15 years ago. I can't remember now. But... I really like the cast in this story. Ronald Adam, I think, is very right. good. I hadn't twigged that it's him in The Dominators playing oh. the Patrick Troughton story. There's my Kenneth oh, Williams yeah. of the week. You going to do your bungle? <laughs> He's that peeved at being picked on. He's not going to do it. No. I'm right, so. That was said on purpose that time. I, I do have to say this had some... Obviously, every now and again you get an episode, one of the old episodes where it, it's good... Uh, it's good tap value. Do you know what I mean? It's, tap. It's, I know what you mean. Just, just, just some bits that are hilarious because they're mm. so bad. Mm. That is the funniest shootout scene ever. <laughs> In Ambassadors. With the brig. Yeah. It's a wild Absolutely. Yeah. Then that lovely clip of the, like you say, the brig holding, mm. holding his pistol down by yeah. his side and just yeah. bang, 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 turning it, and just firing inanely at everything. I, I, I might be getting it wrong, but is that the one where he actually pushes his hand forward as he fires? Yes. Just like yes. a three-year-old. Yes. That's, That's Hilarious. Oh, yeah. fantastic. It's a while since I've and somebody, watched it. Somebody grabs the... someone over the shoulders and puts a gun around their throat and you hear this really badly dubbed vo- voice going... <laughs> There's a lot of badly stuff. All and you've got the epic car yeah. chase with the uh, Bessie and the uh, Capri. Oh, <laughs> yes, I remember that. Isn't that great. Am I right in thinking that's Bessie's first appearance in that story, or is that wrong? So, uh, no, was she not in the Silurians? No, she might I, not have been. What actually, story no, is it where he, he controls with a remote control? What story is that? There were the demons. That's... Oh, that's far later. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But he does control the doors in Inferno. With the, a, she had her hood up as well remote. at one point. Who? I was just Bessie. about to... Oh. <laughs> you know, you know by the up. time this episode... Go, well, not by the time this episode goes out. I mean, Ambassadors of Death, the DVD is now. Oh. And for the first time, you know, as a release, all in colour. I can't wait. I can't Lee's wait. Himself I am so one, wet myself. Isn't it Babel Colour that's doing this? No, 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 that's Mind of Evil. Is that Mind He's of only who's, doing who's one Who's colouring this one? Is this BBC? No, this is the... Um, Colour recovery process. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yes, that's going to be... It be good, yes? It's going to be... Don't spoil it. No, no. It's going to be <laughs> nice to see it all in colour, but the colour is not going to be perfect. It doesn't matter. We can fill in the blanks. Yeah. We've no, got it in black and white. For I mean, enough. I'm not saying it's going to look bad. All I'm saying is um, it's... You know, this is the really depressing thing about a lot of these Pertwee stories. The restoration team do absolute wonders absolute miracles with those stories to get them looking as good as they do Mm. but they always will be a disappointment because if you watch say terror of the autons or the time monster next to one where they've managed to keep all the six episodes the difference in quality is an absolute gulf Mm -hmm. even though terror of the autons now looks amazing compared to what it used to look like it still looks totally Mm. different from Mm. the stories where they kept the original yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see if that, you know, if, if anything ever turned up and it was yeah. the original and how we could compare it. But I, I I still like, strangely enough, the the old filmic 
um, non-vid-fired stuff because oh, I was I brought up watching yeah. it, you know. Um, and this, there's a lot of filming going on outside, a lot of location work, a lot yeah. of stunts, tons of stunts, lots of action through through Ambassadors of Death, and also the rest of the season. I mean, does I mean, do you think Doctor Who's got that? You know, should Doctor Doctor Who have that much military action going on? Well, this it? is a curious thing because television tends to follow the fashions of film. But it also tends to follow, I mean, not so much these days, but, well, no, actually, that's not true. These days, you've got things like Whitechapel basically trying to be seven, and seven was ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Television tends to follow a few years behind when these things have kind of settled down. And in 1970, Doctor Who was doing what Doctor No was doing in 1962, (laughs) to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. I'm not saying completely, but... I think the tone's quite different watching this series compared to watching the Troughton years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To me, it seems like it's aimed at a much older audience. Well, the Troughton years were kind of aimed at the sort of mop-top Beatles help. Yeah. Hard Day's Night, that kind of madcap, fun, psychedelic, quirky, yeah, funny. And then Pertwee comes along and it's, you know, Dr. No. And, you know, there were a lot of other films in the 60s that were Mm. quite sort of there was quite a lot of macho in films in the 1960s. Mm. It's quite a but it's, but it's also coupled with lots of environmental disaster, um, you know, themes and you know you've got lots of things like factories and nuclear yeah. power stations and all of that, all the kind of things I, I used to love and watch. Uh, did you say nuclear? He did. He did. I can't but say the a 19th... lot of words, Simon. As you well know, <laughs> don't bully me. <laughs> His name's it's like I said, like resource. Big brother, isn't it? I said resource the other day, and somebody went resource. He sounds like W. It's resource. <sighs> it's yes. There were the 1950s. There was a wave of uh, sort of pulpy <laughs> sci-fi movies, and then in the 1960s there was a wave of Serious. disaster movies. Yeah. Do um, watch as well. Follow that. Part. Well, yeah, not disaster movies. Disaster wave was in the 1970s. Um, the Environmental similar... disaster films is, is pretty much yeah, yeah similar. Yeah. Kind of anyway, thing. what we're saying is Doctor yeah. Who hits that fashion for a year and then goes off somewhere else. But also, actually, um, pounding out a lot of green issues as well. Oh, well the doctor's, was... doctor's very much a, a hippie. It's a leftover from the, the 60s. Well, though. he becomes more so later on, probably. in More so, yeah, but tenure. it is there. It's probably the I think lesson. season seven, I'm sure I've read in more than one place, they're talking about they were going very much for a quater mass sort of... Yeah. take on it yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they knew they were stuck on earth there's yeah. only so much you can do and I suppose yeah. that was the big precedence especially mm. in the BBC I guess yeah and it, it wasn't Television. it wasn't you know it wasn't a small influence was it no. <laughs> I mean, no, anybody quite. knows Quatermass and then looks at that period of Doctor Who must go but that's Quatermass just take the Doctor well, and put Quatermass yeah. in it and it's the same programme but thank Robert God because I love Quatermass was obviously a yeah. big fan yeah and you know I don't think it's ever been I don't think he's ever talked about it, but Terence Dix must have been a huge fan as well. Mm. It's not, Dix was it's not like it doesn't work either. It does work. Oh, absolutely. So it's not a criticism, is it? It's just, it's, oh, no. it's just different. Mm-hmm. So do, do you think the colorization is going to make a massive difference to watching it in black and white? You know, when you, when you watch it again, not Joe, to a dog. especially you, say. Because these guys have seen... Actually, no, you've seen the black and white one recently, haven't you? Not to a dog. Um, <laughs> you know, if you watched it in colour, would that increase your interest, Simon? Because you said you were, like, getting bored about episode five. No, that was purely a story, I think. Yeah. I just yeah. There was just okay. very little going on. Or very little going on that hadn't gone on before. It's yeah. worth pointing so, out as well that most of the people 
almost all of the people who watched it on the telly in 1970 would have watched it in black and white. It's a very valid point. Yes. Yeah. Hardly anybody had colour televisions at the time. Yeah. I mean, in fact, there's still a good portion of the population watching in black and white. You know, mm. even what, when today? There was still a oh, good sorry. portion of the audience <laughs> watching in black and white, even when Pertwee changed into Tom Baker. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we had a black and white TV for a long time. Yeah, we had a black and white TV well into the 80s, in fact. I used to use yeah, my Spectrum a on a black and white TV, so there you go. Whoa. 1982, 83. Sweet. Yeah, there yeah. was still, you know, because people we're listen to this podcast who are younger and might not appreciate so. this. Donkey Kong. Anyway, That's, should we... Um, oh, I'll tell you, here's um, an yeah. odd little story about, you know, seeing as we're just waffling on about ambassadors, about the amount of colour in black and white. When I got the VHS, I was... This, this is the kind of mind I have. I sort of... One of the things I wanted to know was, what was the percentage? What was the percentage of the story that was in black and white and what was in colour? And so uh, not having anywhere where I could access this kind of information, this was before I was on the internet, I just sat down and marked the timings on the video counter and then afterwards just used a calculator. The hours might just God. fly by. No, it's not as sad as it sounds. Because yes, it is. <laughs> sounds pretty sad. But... Three of the episodes are all in either all in colour or all in black and white. Yep. And the other four yeah. episodes, it doesn't change backwards and forwards no. a lot. No. It's like five minutes of one, um, then ten minutes of the other. Can we explain other, what, why is that minutes. then? Why do they change? Uh, okay, uh, I'll come back got, to that after I've done this. Right. After I get to... So I wrote it down and worked out the percentage. I, and I, I, I think it was... that Mark slightly was poking at JR's nerdiness there. And you have a podcast called Nerdology, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, nerds, when yeah. this... <laughs> Pop kettle black. People are listening to this. You are the one we come to for the factually. You'll get on so well. And then a few weeks down the line, they all start picking on each other. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Anyway, I worked out the percentage, and I think it was 55% was in colour. All oh, right. I just wanted right. to know, essentially, if there was more in colour or black and white. Mm. You know, I, I don't see that that's kind of especially nerdy. I just, it was just one of those things. Well, that, okay, it's a bit OCD. I just wanted to know if there's more colour or black and white. Anyway, a few years later, I, and I got the internet. I've only had the internet, as you know, for four years. Mm. And, you know, I assumed that this was the kind of the information that would be freely available. But no, actually, it turned out uh, that this conversation started up on Gallifrey Base, I believe. And, they were, you know, everybody was asking, does anybody actually know what the timings are and what percentages are? And I was like, somebody's going to know. And eventually, nobody did. And I was this total newbie. And one of the very first things I ever did on Gallifrey Base was <laughs> photocopy this piece of paper and upload it to somebody on the website. <laughs> it, was, it was quite embarrassing, actually. <laughs> and now you're sharing it with the entire world. I'm the world newbie, and I'm the nerdiest <laughs> of the lot. Now, can I put this towards the reason? It's just lined, 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 lined paper that just says colour, 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 colour. <laughs> yeah. Black and white, black and white, colour. Yes. Is it because, because a lot of the um, Pertwees that we have in colour that are not perfect are because the... PAL video masters mm. in the United Kingdom were erased. But fortunately, the NTSC video masters survived, which has the colour, but it's in the wrong picture scale. Mm. So the scaling has to be changed, which is why it looks so fuzzy. But we tend to also have a black and white film print, which enables us to put together the fuzzy video with a quite defined film print 
to get more definition on the picture than we would have. But I think the problem with ambassadors is either that the NTSC master was so deteriorated ah, right. that it, the colour was phasing all over the place. Um, they used the word... Um, what's the word they used? Well, it was phasing all over the place. Yeah. So there are huge segments of it they couldn't use because there were just like splashes of colour, like lightning streaks all across the screen, this kind of stuff. But I'm not sure it's because the NTSC master was deteriorated or because they'd lost the NTSC master. And this is what I think is the case. And somebody had recorded it onto a really primitive Betamax tape off the television, and that's what they were using. Yeah. Um, wow. They had Betamax in 1970? No, because America didn't show it in 1970. They oh, bought America. it from the BBC okay. and showed it. it later. And so mm. they were still showing it well into the 1970s. Because wh- whereas we in Britain would only get these stories once, in America they would buy it, the rights to show it and show it several times. Would the Ambassadors of Death would have worked? Would it have worked without the monsters? Could you ever? Ha- could you have had a four-parter without the monsters in it and just done this kind of space escapade? Well, I don't know, because the ambassadors are pretty central to it. I think yes, so. they're pretty yeah, central to so it. So I think it's the strongest facet of the story. Okay. Is this. Right, so do you think they work in the story now? Do you mean, could there have been like an espionage story about the space program? Yeah, basically? yeah, something more along those lines. Yeah. They had, I've noticed they had much cleaner radiation in those days. <laughs> <laughs> there was no such thing as a dirty bomb. <laughs> oh, Simon, I'm looking at you and I'm seeing dirty bomb. <laughs> I've had a shower. Yeah. Okay, what about this then? Uh, Matt Smith is grounded on Earth for the next season. You know, what would he do? Would he go to <sighs> Craig's house? He'd build a or TARDIS would... out of um, the stuff he found under his kitchen sink. That's <laughs> yeah. what he'd do. Out of Domestos. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do these days, actually. Lube. Grow TARDISes from, you know, this little light bulb that they managed to save and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. We should probably move on to Silurians, otherwise we're just going to stay yes, on Ambassadors yeah. for the entire episode. Oh, this this is encompassing everything. I just want to know what the Doctor would gravitate towards, because here John Perby gravitates towards space programmes and, uh, you know, factories and, and all these scientific bases. Yeah, I don't would, think the would character Matt does. Smith That's have what done the... the same? Or will I don't he... know whether you're talking within the fiction or outside of the fiction there. No, within the fiction. Well, he does, He only gravitates to where the problems are. He would also have knowledge of... Well, he's already working on two of the programmes. He's part of Ambassadors, isn't he? He's part of the Ambassadors of Death already. And he's part of Inferno and walks in and as he gets oh, really? Stolman. Well, I guess he gravitates towards where scientific things are going. Yeah. On. Well, would Matt Smith, I'm saying, if you would put him on the, the Earth now. Well, no, because here's the thing. John Pertwee was installed as UNIT's scientific advisor. Yeah. They've sent him to these places in his role as a scientific advisor. Haven't they? Yeah, okay. So it's not the Doctor gravitating there, it's units sending him there, as much mm. as anything. Matt Smith wouldn't. Matt Smith would go off and be charming. <laughs> wouldn't um, So what's be the second charming st- and daft. What's the second story we're talking well, about? Well, we, f- the story we've voted second to last is, obviously, the Silurians, or Doctor Who and the Silurians. Right. <laughs> or Doctor Who and the Year Scenes, or whatever it is you want to call them. The cave, they accidentally, and the cave monsters, as it was. Cave yeah, yeah. monsters, that was a yeah. better time. They accidentally, Barry Lett's first story as producer, and he didn't know what the convention was, so he accidentally gave it the title Doctor Who and the Silurians instead of just the Silurians. And, you know, you don't have to call it Doctor Who and no. the Silurians. It was an accident. <laughs> it's just the Silurians, right? 
What what are people feeling about this? I mean, although I tell you one thing, that does once and for all absolutely definitively prove that the Doctor's real name is Doctor Who, if it's Doctor Who in the Silurians. Yeah, well, Wotan. Wotan was right all along. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Simon, <laughs> not in my Simon world. you had a you had a problem with the beginning of this episode, didn't you? With the beginning of it, I, I thought some, somebody in this room had a problem with the the first episode. Or the first couple of episodes, said it was too slow. Or am I thinking about somebody entirely different? Here? Entirely different. I do think. Okay. It's well, somebody was talking to slow, me about it then, and uh, probably through the radio show or something like that. That we do. Actually, the second and episode it, is great when they get out of doors and they go on the Silurian hunt. I, I enjoyed the first episode. I like that one a lot. I like the mystery to it and the weirdness and the the, the first person, you know, uh, which is the, the Silurian looking out of his eyes at yeah. people and. Chasing someone into a barn and all that—that that was all really creepy. That's all in the second fun. episode. Though, is it the second it? episode? Yeah, the first episode is just all in a room in the base. No, oh, I hate that. Wiped it from the memory. Wiped it from the memory. Oh dear. Is that right? Yeah, that's episode two. Yeah. The Silurian hunt is episode really? two. Yeah, what was yeah. It? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you are. Proved myself wrong. Yeah, what well, episode one is literally just the Doctor standing in the room saying, well, "What's the problem, guys?" <laughs> Damn it, Lee! What the hell are you doing on this podcast? <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing? Uh, again, of course, in unit terms, Pot, is the, the story of what could have been. You got Paul Darrow as a unit Paul soldier. <laughs> oh God, no! Uh, and you know he could have been Mike your, Yates. Your Mike Yates, yeah, yeah. not your Benton. But yeah, so. I mean, as much as I like Mike Yates as an actor and a character, I don't mind him. I think he's great, and he had an interesting character arc that came up later. You know, something interesting anyway. Mm. For a lesser character to yeah. do, but Paul Darrow, imagine that yeah, happening. Yeah. I would have been like, wow, you know, he'd have been too obvious a traitor, though, wouldn't he? Just like Donald Pleasant, yeah. Stuck yeah. In there. Well, I don't think they would have obviously done that storyline if things had transpired differently, anyway. Mm. But uh, it would have made for a very interesting dynamic. But it would have all been in the acting, not the scripting, until yeah. or unless his acting became such that people parted, started putting it into the scripts. Yeah, you wouldn't have had that emotional characterisation between two characters. Because he was just written as a straightforward captain, in that. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And it's only because we know it's Paul Darrow that we see anything different. Did I imagine it, or did the idea of unit, wasn't it supposed to be that you'd have maybe the brig and uh, Liz Shaw, and then the other characters would be sort of incidental to each story rather than having a list of regular unit Members, I think unit was supposed to be a very small operation, and when they needed troops, they were seconded to unit. Right, uh, but by th- is like half a dozen people or something maybe in that mm. first series, and I, I don't know myself why the captain changes from yeah. one story to another. Because later, when you get to the following series, it becomes the unit family. You've got those yeah. recognizable characters, haven't you? Where I was think... Torchwood when all this was going on, anyway? You're retconning. Sorry. That's, I've got a tendency. <laughs> That's something we just don't do on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we know I'm Jack retconning. Harkness was looking from a distance so he didn't bump into an older version of the Doctor. Of we know that. So if you look really carefully, when they're blowing up the place, you know, when all the EO scenes are flying and all, all their fishy arms are going in the air, right at the end with the Brigadier's murdering them all to death, you can just see a bit of Captain Jack's head fly up into the distance. What do you yeah, make so. of the, the actual the, monsters uh, in these? Is the EO scenes the Christmas compilation of all the best bits from the Teletubbies? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's the Eto scenes. Oh, <laughs> oh. he got it. I got it. Yeah, uh, the particularly well mark. realized, or what do you think? Um, Shoddy as, but absolutely lovable, wonderful, and brilliant mm-hmm. with it. But you I cannot. Come to kill all the apes. Oh, no, and I mean it's over the top, isn't it? But oh, I loved it. they're dreadful. Really iconic look, mm. photograph really nicely, mm. see him in the flesh, in and they just look like the guys wearing drapes or something. Yeah, but they had character. This is the interesting yes. thing about these monsters. I think, like, um, maybe it's the... It's a Mac the, 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 story. The, uh, not the Sea Devils, one of the Ice Warriors in Seeds of yeah. Death. They had kind of characters. There's yes. more stronger characters in the monster. You think? Well, more than other ones. See, I like think the so, because you have more of a sense of they weren't just baddies who turn up to try and you know take yeah. over the world they whispered they, between oh, each other. they, no, talked, no, they planned you... they thought they were devious they were they were, well, they the were ice quite... warriors in the first ice warrior story i would say were better characterized than the ones well in okay well the, the ice but... warriors in general and you know silurians again you can't get this is a good example of exactly that came later Hulk. Yeah. So I don't know why he didn't sea do devils. that with the sea devils. The sea devils are just completely just generic. Sea, and only sea one devils of them are too speaks. generic, which is interesting. But yeah, so, and that's um, the only time Mac Hulk's ever done yeah. that. I don't know why he did that. No, they could have been intelligent talking creatures. But, yeah. uh, you know, the Silurians, I like them. Mm. I like the fact you have a, a scientist. Yeah. And you have their reason. They're trying to reason with the humans. Some and of they've them got are. their own politics. They've got that whole sort of power politics. struggle going on between yeah. them. And do you know what? If you're well. going to wipe, wipe out the whole of human race, the easiest way to do it is to infect everybody with a rubbish yeah. germ. It's yeah. going to kill them all dead. Well, I'm this surprised is no other aliens have thought of that, actually, to be honest. Mm. Ambassadors of Death, the point we made was when they needed to stretch it out, they just stretched it out by doing the same thing repeatedly. Yeah. Silurians, when they needed to stretch it out, what did they do? They set this plague and they could have a whole episode's worth of story yeah. going on in the city where people mm. are getting struck down by yeah. plague. Brilliant. And another episode after that as they try and find the cure for it. Yeah. That's how you stretch your story out. You do something that's logical yeah. because it is logical that this reptilian race from a time period that's completely different to our own would have things that would be lethal to us, and vice versa, of course. Mm. So it's completely logical, but it's also taking the story in a completely new direction, and that works brilliantly. And that's why I like the Silurians probably even better than Inferno, actually, because where the story goes... I just like the Everybody's way... Everybody's on a tightrope, you know, in that. You know, you say the wrong thing at the, right, at the wrong time and somebody sparks off and a war could happen. Yeah. That's, re- that's real life. That's real mm. life, isn't it? I mean, you know, two um, opposing factions or two opposing countries now, today, uh, are like, you know, you say one wrong thing and I'm going to bomb you. So you're always careful and treading on eggshells. And this is what this whole thing felt like to me. I was very, it's very tense all the way through. You're thinking, you really want the Doctor to, to succeed. You really want a future where the Silurians are going to be down the shopping mall with you, you know, buying their fish, and you are chatting yeah. to them going, <laughs> so how is Mrs. Wobbler Wobbler? Uh, oh, uh, well, no, I right so much. It's a completely original it idea. Have been, I'm not aware of any stories before that of a similar idea. In Doctor Who? Yeah. Well, no. It's in anything. I, mm. Has there been in the... A story where they've they've got a species that was on this planet before. Oh, I see. Yes, saying. yeah, Quatermass did it. Well, yes, it's a. Okay. It's, oh, it's another Quatermass. Well, it's not yeah, exactly were... the same as in Quatermass. No, but it's no, no. Oh, was that Quatermass in the pit? Yeah, yeah that's similar. They were but... Martians, anyway. Yeah, and that, that was more like a you know, oh, right. race memory thing. But again, that turns up in Silurians. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. 
But, but I like that in the book. I'd never yeah, come across yeah, yeah. that. Before. But I love the way it's handled. Oh, the book. The opening chapter with the guy screaming yeah. and drawing on the walls. Yeah. Oh, so scary when I was like yeah. seven or whatever when I first read that. Mm. Oh, wow. That was that was one of the great Target books. Mm. <sighs> anyway, shall we move on? Because there's going to be a real surprise yeah, now for yeah. the listeners. Because now we come to our top two stories. And the story we voted into second place was, surprisingly enough, Inferno, which mm-hmm. I think most people would expect us to have voted into first place. I would have, well, I would have expected myself to vote that into first place, but I didn't. <laughs> I did. Which is interesting. Yes. Well, there's a reason yeah. for that. Well, it's because Spearhead from Space is just so wonderful, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of reasons why Spearhead from Space became number one. One was that it was four parts. Again, it was condensed. It was quickie. It's a, a quickie. Oh, it's, a, it's a quick, <laughs> sharp, solid, succinct. It's quick, story. sharp and solid, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, stop it, you boys. Um, and, uh, you know, the, it's the Doctor's first story and it's really interesting. It was all done on film. There's, you know, that Spearhead from Space is completely different to Inferno. The great thing about Inferno is that it's got all the elements that I like already that we've been talking about. Um, and uh, it's just such a great story with great characters and a brilliant twist an absolute brilliant twist mm. of stepping sideways in time and walking into this fascist world with all these yeah. people that you know so well has been lovely I mean it is being not, real it's Doctor Who does Mirror sons. Mirror it's, it's a Star Trek story isn't it whatever mirror, mirror. The, but anyway <laughs> my problem with it and why I voted it into third place in my what own Star Trek did he say that word I, can't, I don't can't <laughs> doesn't register when we I talk just about think Doctor Who. the wraparound <laughs> episodes, one, two, and seven, are a bit dull. Which ones? On Inferno. Which episodes? One, two, and seven. The alternative yeah, verse stuff is in three, four, five, and six. One, two, and seven. Well, it goes to show that, yeah, I mean, I wanted more of the of the fascist world, I've got to say. I love yeah, that. Yeah. You mm. know, and and uh, can I just say, uh, Brigadier, actor, Brigade quick, 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 actor. Corny. Thank you, Nick, Nick, Nick Courtney. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Absolutely fantastic villain. So good, so arch, but so brilliant. And I love his uh, delivery. Believed him totally in that. Even watching it the other day, and it's very dated. Still thought, great, great delivery. Better than the Brigadier. But when he know, turns around with the eye patch on, that is <laughs> iconic. It's great. Yeah, I, but I hate to be the wet blanket here, but... You are. Inferno. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's my role. Inferno, I... I can stick it on and I will thoroughly enjoy watching it and I do love it but it's a bit dull at the start and at the end and in the middle it's a bit lacking in focus really what kind of focus well it's, what do you want Ford? I know it's building up to this explosion where the earth explodes because of the drilling that they're doing right mm. but you don't need to be on an alternative earth for that peril to be there because that peril but, is already in the storyline yeah, yeah but you need to be on that earth to show what happens to that earth yes i know i to understand that yes no but i understand that's where you get to but until you get to that point apart from the fact that you can do the parallels between the uh regular versions of liz and the brigadier and the different versions of liz and the brigadier mm. it's like there's an element missing You've got the peril that you've got on regular Earth and in alternative Earth. You've got the one version of the characters in one side of the story and the alternative version in the other side of the story. But you know what I mean? That's almost like you've got two dimensions and there's not a third dimension. There's not a reason. 
I, I, I just really enjoy the fact that John Pertwee's Doctor is fighting against people he half knows, and with Stalman, of course, who's also now a fascist. Oh, yeah. He's already difficult mm. in the first no, one. yeah. And you've got all these people against him and firing at him, blah, blah, blah. And he, again, does a Colin Baker where he walks into the situation in this weird coat and whatever, and then tries to f- and fixes the computer. Oh, no. Half convinces. This, I this, get this, all that. It, there's loads going on. I love yeah. his struggle to, to prove to them that he comes from another dimension. Imagine if that happened here, right no, now. I, mm, I get hard. all that. I know you do. And I enjoy all that do you but i just <laughs> there's just something about inferno i know i i love it i mm, can just yeah. watch it and watch it and watch it it's great it's brilliant but there's just a tiny little bit of me that doesn't get it just have interest where did you vote this one in your list <clears throat> third after third. silurians okay so what what is it about the silurians that tops inferno well i in silurians tells a story it has a focus See, I'm not sure in Infer- in, in Inferno, yeah, okay. the, the story is a guy's drilling towards the Earth's core and if he gets there, the Earth's going to blow up. Okay. Well, you just stop him from doing it. Lay him out. True. <laughs> that would have been one episode, wouldn't it? Just punch well, exactly. Solomon out. That's what I mean. I just, <laughs> I can't get why it takes seven episodes and a trip to an alternative planet Earth to stop this guy. there's an awful lot of British politeness going on. That's why. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just the pompous. Forget, there's an awful lot of seven seven episode stories in this series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, the, that's, that's what I'm saying. Line, it's just, yeah. I, I do love Inferno, and I'm not dissing it. No. I'm just saying there's just a. This is why I couldn't yeah. vote it at the top because I just, I just can't get it. It just there's something about that story yeah. that just I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. But can... all the way through the story, I'm thinking, but there's not really any reason for this story to be. You're almost convincing me actually to move Solomon's up to number two, but then Ooh. again, I think I think all of them are shifting around as I talk because I just love they're them all, all great, really, yeah, really, yeah. you know, quite a lot. But they're just elements. I think what it is personally for me, maybe the story can fall by the wayside a bit because I just love what's going on. Absolutely. Love yeah, the characters. Yeah, yeah. I love the interaction of John no Perry and, and Olaf, the actor. It's a brave. Element. It's a brave story as well. Where it gets the, yeah. it gets the the viewer to think in a slightly different way that you know it's like you're seeing this what if situation i think w- yeah a world without morals where they push things too far and that's... i think one of the reasons is slightly odd doctor who story which kind of also goes back to what i was just saying is because unlike say in spearhead from space where the enemy is very easy to identify it's the plastic monsters yeah, yeah. and that's true of most doctor who stories in inferno the enemy is you know, that drill reaching the centre of the earth. Yeah. It's completely different It does thing. build and build and build. I mean, I only watched oh, it, no, what, yeah. maybe it three it years any... ago. And, and Was there incidental music going through that? I can't remember I, I forgot to mention that Ronnie, I thought it was Ronnie Hazelhurst was doing the music on um, Ambassador to Death. Can I just Yeah, mention? I thought that was really... Was it just using... <laughs> it wasn't, I did check. Oh, it's it all just... a bit chirpy, isn't it? Yeah, it just seems... <laughs> it's a bit Terry, like just got Terry some... and June... It's the music from the library stuck it on. It's a bit odd. They might have gone It does make you yearn for Dudley Simpson. It was Dudley Simpson, though. I looked on the credits. Really? Oh, was it? He's on the credits anyway. This is early Dudley when he actually tried different things out. Before he was going through his psychedelic phase at that point. Isn't this Andrew Lloyd Webber's new musical, Yearning for Dudley Simpson? The music on The Invasion is fantastic. I'll go back and look. We'll get oh, to it that is. Time. 
Look, we better get to Spearhead. We better get to Spearhead. Let's let's move forward quickly into Mm. Spearhead. Um, Oh, can I just one quick thing about Inferno? And I'm sure we'll talk about Inferno again at some stage in a Mm. couple of years down the line when we're all grey and... You remember Inferno? Um, (laughs) We're still stuck to these sofas. Stuck to the sofa. (laughs) If you don't get on and make your point, I'm going to be stuck to this sofa now. Uh, It's not often you see the Doctor fail. And he does. Oh, yeah. On the alternative earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't just fail. Earth. He doesn't just fail, does he? I mean, he fell spectacularly. Absolutely, yeah. He doesn't save a world. And he, he's affected by that. He's not at the time, but he's affected by it when it, when it suddenly kicks him. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes mental and starts beating up the computer in the real, real world. And they all go, he's gone crazy. Yeah. But you can tell the frustration, the anger, the upset. He's upset. Yeah. He's lost the world. You know, and sorry, can I just quickly say you were talking about the other week the cliffhangers? I wasn't there. Well, I was, yeah, but I was Welsh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, what were you thinking? <laughs> Stupid umbrella. My the, name uh, is Lee. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> cliffhanger. Hello, you, Mark. You said your <laughs> favourite cliffhanger was episode six of Inferno, or one of them was. It, it was one of the top ones. Yeah, definitely. Is that the one where he, he's literally? You just don't know whether he's going to make it through to the other world. It's yeah, the lava. It's, it's, it's a good one. It is. And I felt, away, yeah. as I say, I only watched that about three years ago and I felt really tense yeah. at that mm. point. It really had built up. So He's a doozy of a cliffhanger. No, absolutely. Spearhead. Spearhead yes. from space. Autons. Love him. Yeah. Robert Holmes. Love him. Oh, Pertwee in the Love hospital. Him. Iconic. Love yeah. it. Nick Courtney Singing in the shower. In the silly uniform. Love it. Tattoos. Love Liz it. Shaw, the focus of the first episode is probably a lot more on Liz Shaw than it is yeah. on the Doctor, who gets like Which one line and a couple of winks. But I think the episode should have been called Liz. <laughs> like Rose. <laughs> it's just sublime. It's one of my all-time... It's, I know it means nothing and it's very... B-movie, but I like it when Doctor Who does B-movie. Yeah. I like my Doctor Who to be fun. And Spearhead from Space is about as much fun as you can have with Doctor Who, to be honest. The fact I'm... it's all on film makes it look fantastic as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The thank goodness for the issue is Thank amazing. goodness for the, uh, the strike that they had. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> Shame they couldn't have kept that up every week. We might not have had that CSO man in a dinosaur suit in the Silurians. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. That's definitely going back to number three now. That's uh, <laughs> that's talents of Wang Chiang rat good. <laughs> yeah, was it? I mean, that's going to be our new expression, by the way. For a cheesy special effect, it's yep. either crap or it's rat good. Rat good. <laughs> rat good um, Robert Holmes wrote that, didn't he? You know, yeah, least, yeah, obviously. And you get these lovely little characters. I love, I absolutely adore the poacher out there uh-huh. you can barely understand what he says and he's got one of these things in his backpack and he's pretending it's oh no I've got nothing in there kind of thing and he takes it home and his wife that bit where his wife screams you know uh, mm. eventually when he has his comeuppance the whole thing I love all of that that's so I don't know it's so up the road around the corner and into the the field you know yeah. we all live in Devon so it feels very much close to home that episode this section where the uh, well I just absolutely best sort of image in my head from all of Doctor Who is the boiler-suited shop window dummy beating its way through a, you know, through a wood. Mm. It's like, how ridiculous an image is that? It's not like the Daleks, where it's something that's been created, or, you know, any one of any of the monsters that's been in Doctor Who, Mm. but just a shop window dummy 
in a boiler suit yeah. wearing mm. a scarf. We recently had... fighting through trees. We recently had, in the, when, uh, one of the Martha episodes, I can't remember what it was, um, uh, the one with Davros coming back in. But there were Daleks, the Daleks in, 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 in a forest, yeah, yeah, yeah. floating around speaking in German, yeah. which was interesting. And I was looking at that thinking very much of Spear, that scene, thinking, yeah, yeah. What's, what's better? Why does Spearhead work better for me? I don't know. I think it's just the fact that they were quite relentless. They're walking towards you and they're nonstop. Well, the Dalek and they've looks, got no expression. Just the, like Dalek the Dalek looks out of place because it's manufactured. Hmm. The Manufactured by the program makers. Yeah. The Auton looks out of place because it's manufactured on Earth to be somewhere else. To be somewhere else. Yes. Whereas the Dalek is just, you know... Yeah, it's recognisable, but in the wrong it's place. It's such a great thing to place. tap yeah. into, you know. As a kid, you know, you look at dummies like that in shop windows, and they just there's something creepy about them, mm. and it just acts on I that. I'll tell you what else as well is that they have no mercy. They're actually worse than Daleks. <laughs> They've yeah. got no in a, anything. It, no, in, a, in as much as the handguns, which are brilliant. So the yeah. bit drops away. If the gun appears, <laughs> yeah. you know you're buggered. <laughs> you do. You can't move. Well, they, 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 they never hold anyone hostage. They just kill you. Well, they don't yeah. have any thought process, no, the Autons. No. They are just no, where, where they fire They're not at even you. soldiers. They're weapons, aren't they? Yeah. 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 No matter where they fire at you, it's always in the chest and it's always orange smoke. I love it. And it's always a puff of smoke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, Spared from Space, so many stories, they'll do the monster, and the monster will be doing a thing. And that thing defines the monster. Mm. Spared from Space, you've got an Auton in the factory, turning the factory over to uh, producing Autons. You've got shot window dummies, running around the countryside, creating havoc at Mr. and Mrs. Seeley's cottage. <laughs> You've got yep. the, in, the uh, more technical autons impersonating politicians and people in power to infiltrate governments and such. And you've got a great big octopus thing in a tank. And you've got these uh, globe things. that la- You've got a monster that, oh, you know, an enemy that has... Multiple facets yeah, works that in, work in yeah, many different yeah, ways. Do, do you know, if, you were, get that if we were to choose uh, a favourite uh, special effects sound, it would be that Auton globe. What's it got? A unit, yeah, the Auton yeah. unit, just making that noise. Next, of course, the TARDIS whooshing away. Um, that, that's definitely my favourite. I like. What about if, since we're on Spearhead? And you know, this the book. Everybody read the book when they were yes, little. Yes, I didn't. The Alton Invasion. The book is this, I lived. I read that book every three months. And know? it had illustrations yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah, I love the. And the thing about the Alton stories, both of the Alton stories, Terror as well, is like every scene is special. Mm. Every scene makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. It's not like one of those stories where you're looking forward to particular moments, like once every chapter or a couple of chapters. Every page of that book had something on it that was creepy. And that's mm. it. That's it. I mean, every. In that episode, in that story, there was no padding. None it, whatsoever. Everything, you know, if that had been a seven-episoder, it would have been good, yeah. like the others, but you'd have had that padding going on. And There's even no most padding. four-parters are padded padding. to a certain extent, but Auton is, I don't know, and Spearhead is, and I know in a certain way this is not... <laughs> yeah, he's laughing about something uh, about Mark padding, and, I don't uh, know. Simon Lee having just... one of their moments. Yeah, go, go, go. Padding. Go. Get a room. <laughs> 
That's not the right thing to say to them at this point. <laughs> oh, Spearhead from space. It's plot, 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 plot from the word go. Yeah, it is. And just know, this wouldn't work if they did it all the time. And it doesn't work on most things. But this is one of those instances where it just, everything, every line. It's not just that there's no padding. It's that everything. You're convincing me now. Everything works. Little, you're important. convincing me over. Yeah, the, the other should... thing is, of course, if you play this to somebody who's never seen it before, be interesting. It, it's, it, it is interesting. Well, what they spot the things like the little tent that that bloke goes into. Um, I can't remember who it is that goes in the tent in the end, but he's he's yeah, left yeah, there yeah. to rest. You know, a, why would you put a man in a tent on the lawn to rest? <laughs> it's just like where did it come from? It, you know, I never saw that because I just accepted it for being part of the story. And then the autumn comes, rips down, and he's dead. Yeah. And he's got that fantastically fearful face, and then he gets killed. Um, you know, um, my boy watched that and he said, oh, that's stupid. Why would we put somebody in a tent when you know, there's monsters about? <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I suppose. I always think that people t- go in tents in the jungle when there's lions around. It's the same thing. It, yes, exactly. They've got claws. They can get in. Um, is it my memory playing tricks on me that at the start of the episode you get a clip from the end of War Games yes. before he appears? No, you don't. You don't? No. Oh, that's my memory playing a trick on me. It is. Mm. That would have been quite nice because it'd been quite <laughs> like that Wizard of Oz moment where it goes from black and white to colour, going to the new. Mm. You're thinking of ambassadors again, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or if you live at Babel Colour's house, the mind of evil. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anything Every else? Doctor Spearhead. Stories. In what about the introduction of Liz and Unit in that story as well? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the introduction of Liz is brilliant. And the introduction of U- Unit was all in one go. Yeah. Because you got to see the brig talking to Liz and interviewing her for a job. Um, and, you know, her reaction. Well, he explains to her what he is. Yeah. Like and she course. explains to him who she is. Yeah. And for the viewer at home, done. Job done. Yeah. Job done. That's what I mean about the script. Every single scene, every single line, you know. Paul I, Nicholas Courtney doesn't like that initial uniform he's got, does he? One no, bit. You I can did tell try that. and bring that up earlier. What yeah, do you mean, why? it's not good. Well, well, it's, it's too tight. Of, well, it's oh, kind of it's just... beige and <laughs> it makes him look less like a soldier and more like a... It's like a romper suit, isn't it? It's just well, be, be, having a beige suit in a very green country is, is wrong. In the Sahara, <laughs> maybe. But, uh, yeah, I don't they know. sort it out later. Mm. So. I think they do, actually. The, the uni- uniform, by the time we get to... Inferno, even. Uh, not Inferno. Which one is where it all, all turns green? Benton's outfit's green in Inferno, right? So that's more army, military, more believable. When we get into, I don't know, just rocketing forward into Sylvester McCoy's area, Battlefield, mm. and yeah. even now, the hats that they wear, just they're so silly in their colour. You think, well, if you're out there in the field, you're hardly going to wear a, a blue, sky blue or a red but that's cap. It just, I don't know. They look more believable. Soldiers wear... Possibly. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I'm from, I don't know. No yeah. idea. But I don't know. I just think it just doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say, Sinus. Aliens or Sina. Sinus Spearhead is a story which has such very strong sort of moments and, you know. Yeah. Partic- the tattoo we... moment in the shower. <laughs> but anybody <laughs> like to pick like a favourite scene, a particular scene or sequence? Because, I mean, I've said mine, the Auton coming through the bushes. I think when they first come out of the shop window and they go on that killing spree, that is a moment that kind of lives in your memory. Yeah, yeah. That's iconic. The only, yeah. the only thing about that was the dubbing and the fact you didn't see them smash the window, probably for budgetary 
another moment strength. that sticks in my mind, which I can't stand, it does my head in, is when he's gurning, when he's being throttled by the uh, octopus <laughs> in the tank. It's just, I love that. Oh, oh, yeah, it's so daft, actually. Oh, it, yeah, almost, it almost makes that story just in its sheer daftness. It's like, it's like you've got four episodes of a story building up to a climax, and you know <laughs> that the BBC cannot afford to do that climax justice, but... The acting in that scene is so phenomenally, monumentally bad <laughs> that you do have a climax of sorts, something to look forward to. Do you know, one of my favourite scenes is when the Doctor's in the hospital bed and uh, he, he grabs his shoes and yes. brings them to his chest. He just and, like, mm. grabs his shoes. He grabs his shoes like a child, like a, a, a you know... Like a completely a random... This is the lovely thing. It's As so a regeneration funny. story, it's one of the strongest. It's the best. All of a generation is becoming what it's going to be. You've got the business of him looking in the mirror and saying, oh, well, that, that'll never do. And all this, you know, mm. and, and saying, oh, actually, I, I, I don't know. I think it's the best regen story. Do you? Oh, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Not Twin um, Dilemma. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't even start. You almost said the word. <laughs> I, I'm a huge Say fan word. of the 11th hour. I really am. 11th hour? Yeah, I've got to <laughs> say, no, 11th hour for me, I love. 11th hour's funny. As, it, but, it's great. Uh, as far as it's the content, as far as the regeneration is concerned, I love it. Regen- I love, it. I love the, the lines, like I'm still oh, no, cooking and things like that. Mm. Yes, but is that the best regeneration or the best regeneration story? Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Well, <clears throat> yes, there is a. Difference. I was going to say the post-regeneration part of the, like, the first 10, 15 minutes is excellent. Yeah, fish yeah. fingers and custard, and the little girl is fantastic. All yeah, great. Admitted, but the actual whole, you know, the hokey snake at the end, and and Amy being too familiar with Matt Smith already before they even started, it's just like. And oh, the uh, come back, guys! I want to show you my previous selves. I mean, lovely scene, but yeah. my God. You know, Stephen Moffat had a long time to write that story. No, it's, it's he fair, could have given them a reason for that scene it's being. It's fair comment. It? I mean, yeah. this far down the line, they should get regeneration sequences like yeah. that right, shouldn't and they? And I still think to... the Atraxia are beautifully designed, but a pointless race. Yeah. That mean, you know, well, they're just, nothing. It's they're... like, get this plot from Smith and Jones and like just, some, you know, just sort of uh, superimpose it over a Stephen Moffat yeah. script. Yeah. It's. You know, no, like, you're, you're people... absolutely right. It's it's a fantastic regeneration sequence. Yeah, and it's actually um, I really enjoyed it when I watched it. I thought the whole thing was good. The yeah. jumping, in fact, that that had moments of Pertwee esque stuff going on in the village where he's near the duck pond mm. uh, and he's on the green. And I thought, oh, the demons! It just reminded me of John Pertwee's era a little bit. I don't know why. Mm. Kind of that middle mid counties. Such thing. a shame they never. Managed to get the Autons back in the classic series, and that in the new series they've not done a proper Auton story because in mm. Rose they were because there was going to be a Colin Baker Auton story, wasn't there? Yellow oh, Fever, yeah, yeah. Actually, well, I, well, Ian Levine's putting that together now. Oh, yeah, it's. I've heard a bit of it, just a tiny bit. I mean, I. Whether I'll ever get to hear the whole thing, who knows? What, like an audio story thing? Well, yeah, but this is Ian Levine. It's a private project. Okay. You know, it's not ever going to be for public consumption. Hmm. He just has. He, well, he puts some of the money in himself, tries to find other people to put money in to. And these, the people who put the money in, we'll get to have copies or we'll get to see it, but hmm. nobody else ever will. But it's, but the nice thing about it is yeah. that it's kind of out in the world. Hmm. Which is, which is fun. Yeah, I mean, it's not, not Robert Holmes' script, but right. it's so it's been written to the style of Robert Holmes from notes and what have you that were mm. made at the time. 
And you know, for the little bit I've heard, they've kind of got it pretty much spot on. What was the What was the story before Spearhead from Space that Holmes had written? Was it the Space Pirates and the and the Crotons as well? Actually, wow, <laughs> what a leap! Yeah, leaps and bounds. <coughs> What's well, the, well, I was going to bring out the DVD Five soon, Doctors. Yeah, very soon. Yeah, sorry, Crotons coming Crotons out on DVD. Out very soon. Yes, in which fact. was the very first Patrick Trout story I ever saw. I think it actually comes out either the Monday after or the Monday before this podcast goes out. Oh, right, cool. It's that close. It's Mm -hmm. very, very happy memories of that story. So I've not watched it. From the five faces. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's fun. It's a bit of fun. Bit of fluff. Right, guys, we've been going for absolutely ages. And I did promise my stepdaughter that I would tell the story of what happened to her this morning on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll tell that story and then we'll go, yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. She, she, my stepdaughter, this morning went through a time warp. Mm-hmm. You what? Well, this is the way she tells it. Her alarm was set to go off at six o'clock. Her alarm went off at six o'clock, and then when she looked at the clock, it was seven o'clock. She lost an entire hour to a time warp. Or, as a grown-up might put it, <laughs> she lost an entire hour to turning over and going back to sleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she insists she went through a time warp. Yeah, that's plausible. Uh, Probably the time monster. You do get those times when you, you just close your eyes. Come, grown-up. And open, you know, but she insisted so. I tell that story on this podcast, and I promised her I would, okay. so here I am, as I'll good as my her. word. I'll yeah, her. I'll go with that. That's a nice little story. I like that. <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, next time we are going to be talking about the first Doctor. Okay. We are. So, before we sign off, can I just quickly oh, yeah, say I met Caroline John, which I oh, may have mentioned right. before, on, yeah. and I thought she was brilliant as a as a person to talk to at a convention. She was the most human person. She asked me about my job, about what I did, about everything about me, and you know, she took a lot of time talking to me and the next person, and the next person. Everybody else on the panel, really nice, yeah. but they had their, their convention faces on. Yeah, I think yeah. she was very, very genuine. Doesn't have um, a convention face, in other words. Well, yeah, I think so. And I just wanted to say, wherever, wherever you are, thank you very much for those five minutes. Yeah, we've not actually... Uh, I did say at the end, we'd sort of perhaps sum up on Caroline John, mm. at least as far as Doctor Who's concerned. She was... A fantastic actress, and Solid. yeah, and an extremely well-rounded character. Mm. For those, yeah, but it couldn't go on any further than those. That's you know, those four. I stories. mean, there's your appearance in Five Doctors, which, <clears throat> which was okay. Was nice to see, barely but... worth mentioning. Then. No, and also we ought to point out because I mean, it's always been one of these myths that she her character was just ditched without a story no. where where she gets to leave. But of course, the actress was pregnant. Yeah, they were going to actually get rid of the Yeah, whether or not there would have been a story in which she leaves or whether Mm. they would have just started next year with Joe Grant in the first story with no explanation for Liz having gone, we will never really, really know because in the end, their hand was forced. I think she told them while they were making the last story, look, I'm pregnant and I can't come back next year Mm. anyway. Mm. And so that was it for the character, essentially. But the last scene is her laughing. Yeah, actually, this is... Every time I watch Inferno, <laughs> everybody says, Liz doesn't get a leaving story in a leaving scene. But I always think that last scene feels like a leaving it scene. It does, actually. Mm. It kind of... It works for me. Mm. And it's... And it I kind of works... Knew. It, it works in as much as what you were saying about which is not there's not really a unit family and she's not a companion. So it makes perfect sense within the stories that she goes off and does something else. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because she's it, only it seconded was, there for a Yeah, she was never right doctor's compassion. Yeah, it's just, yeah, no, it's just there was never job. an attachment like that. And yeah. yeah. It's another job hanging around with the Time Lord. Yeah. Seeing monsters. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we definitely better knock this episode on the head because it's now nearly two hours long. <laughs> I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. I was Simon. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs> You can contact us by email via blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk. Spearhead from space is plop 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 plop